The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Lauren Rublin, Senior Managing Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today to learn more about the week ahead in the markets. My guest is Barron's Deputy Editor, Ben Levison, who covers the markets around the clock, or so it seems to me. Ben woke up this morning pondering the sell-off in the yen, the euro, and the renminbi, China's currency. The stock market is tanking, too. It's not really a pretty picture out there today, is it, Ben? Uh, no, not at all. It's kind of day I wish I'd stayed in bed. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do, frankly. But let's start with that coordinated drop in foreign currencies. That means they are falling relative to the U.S. dollar. So the dollar strengthening, the euro, the yen, the renminbi are weakening. What does this signal and what does the dollar strength imply? I mean, I think it, it, it really signals just how big a mess uh, the market is right now. Um, often, you know, oftentimes currencies just don't move a ton. Um, and when they do, um, it might not have a huge short-term impact on things, um, but they're trying to, trying to tell us something. You know, we've seen the, uh, the yuan, it's lost uh, more than 3% against the dollar this month. Um, and it was really the one that had been holding up the best. I think it's the most important, um, actually. The yuan uh, being another name for the Chinese currency. That's right, uh, the renminbi. Um, yeah. You know, we've had the euro down 3%, and that's really, I think, just a reflection of um, the, the rate differential with uh, yields uh, in the U.S. rising uh, faster, the Fed looking to raise interest rates faster. That's often how um, currencies move. They're looking at interest rate differentials and growth differentials. And the U.S. seemed to have um, both of those and also versus the yen, which has actually lost uh, 10 percent, um, I, I believe, uh, uh, this uh, over the past three months or so. Um, it's been a, it's been a real um, I don't want to call it a disaster because the, the Bank of Japan doesn't seem to worry about it, but it's a big drop. Um, but when you look at the yuan, it's it's the most interesting because it's kind of um, controlled in a, a bit by the Chinese government. And they're also the world's second largest economy. And so when you get the, the renminbi falling um, at the uh, the rate that it is, which is a three percent drop this month, it's um, it, it really is, I think, signaling some worries about China's economy. We're, we're seeing that uh, with some covid lockdowns, perhaps in Beijing um, and other things that are, are going on there. And because um, China is so important to um, in terms of commodity prices and things like that, when um, its currency is weak, it starts to cause weakness in other um, in, in commodity, what we call commodity currencies, the currencies of places like um, Australia and Canada. Um, and so I think that that's the one that is really starting to catch people's attention right now. Um, we have to remember that back in 2015, there was this big revaluation uh, in the renminbi that uh, really caused the market to freak out. It dropped about 15% uh, in August of that year. Um, there were lots of recession fears, and it took a while for the market to calm down around that. So we're going to have to keep an eye on it and see, um, it really see uh, if it can find uh, some calm. The currency strategists I pay attention to are basically uh, saying that you know they wouldn't expect um, the other currencies to uh, find uh, a bottom against the dollar until the renminbi does. 
I think it's very interesting. We've been focused so much on Russia and Ukraine and the geopolitics of it all that sometimes we forget to look at the actual economics of China. And with the lockdowns, it's definitely having an impact on the economy right. there. And, and, it's, it's and, and it's easy to forget that it, it really is. It's the sec world's second largest economy. So, it, you know, when it uh, um, when there's a hiccup over there, it, it has an impact uh, that's felt uh, around the globe. And often expressed through currencies. So I'm glad we were able to talk about that. Thanks for waking up with those thoughts today. So moving on to the stock market, that's a second reason not to get out of bed. I want to mention your trader column in this past weekend's magazine. As you wrote, the Fed has finally pushed the market over the edge with talk of 50 and 75 basis point rate hikes, shrinking its balance sheet and other things to rein in its COVID-era monetary policy. The Dow was down 2% last week. The S&P 500 was down 3%. The NASDAQ was off almost 4%. How much longer is this selling going to continue? I wish I knew. Um, I'd, I'd be a genius if I did. Um, but I, I think what we have to pay attention to is really there's a disconnect between what the Fed is looking at and what the market is looking at. Um, the, the the market looked at the Fed's recent steps, um, You know, this first rate hike, the signaling of a 50 basis point hike, and it was seemed to be okay with that. Um, you know, it's it's pulled back some this year, but it it wasn't really a bloodbath. Uh, well, for certain stocks it was, but for the market itself was has been holding in okay. Um, but what happened this past week is that all of a sudden we started getting talks of um, three quarter point rate hikes um, and of lots more rate hikes, and really this focus on inflation. Um, and this is despite uh, the uh, concerns that we that uh, the markets have about uh, um, economic slowdown due to um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and now uh, what's going on with China. Um, and, and I don't think the market really can find a bottom until um, it, until it, it, the Fed is, I don't know if capitulate is the right word, but it, it's, it feels a lot like 2018. They're just getting started. You're talking about capitulation? It's I, Well, I think in this case, it means capitulation is slowing down the rate hikes, not stopping them. What happened in 2018 um, was that the, the Fed was just doing its its rate hikes, um, you know, quarter point uh, per meeting, um, and the market started freaking out. Um, and it had that, uh, I don't remember from the, the Christmas Eve uh, um, collapse in 2018, that basically got the Fed to realize something bigger was going on and it had to reverse uh, reverse course. Um, I don't think the Fed is going to reverse course. I don't even think the market wants the Fed to reverse course here. I just think Many the, people think the Fed is behind the curve and should be accelerating. Right. And I just think the, the market is getting worried that the Fed is so focused on inflation right now that it's ignoring all the risks to global growth uh, that are happening. And we, I think we kind of saw that in today's market action um, where you have uh, the NASDAQ actually holding up a little bit uh, better than the, than the rest of the market. Um, and we have bond yields pulling back. Um, the 10-year, um, I think, was down to about 2.77% at, at one point today. And that, that sign that that's a sign that people are really worrying about growth. So they're selling the kinds of stocks that were doing well that were uh, these inflationary beneficiaries like the, uh, the energy stocks and the material stocks. Uh, they're getting hit pretty hard today. Um, and so I think that uh, really that's what the market is concerned with, that the Fed's just overlooking these other possibilities and its desire to uh, to uh, tamp down inflation. And um, I, I don't I think it's going to take um, 
some sort of detente between investors and the Fed, um, you know, some some happy medium, if you will, for the market to to really find a bottom. Uh, until then, I think it's it's going to be just a very, very messy stock market. We're in for quite a year. So people are very worried about recession as well. And and the Fed tightening us right into a recession. You think that's a possibility? What kind of odds would you put on that? Um, I, I think it is a possibility. Um, these things don't have to happen quickly. They usually are a process, not a, you know, it's not like something happens. All of a sudden you have a recession. Um, but for right now, the, the signs that we we would look for of a recession, so a real deterioration in earnings we haven't seen yet. Um, you'd look for a deterioration in the job market, starting with jobless claims. Um, haven't seen that yet either. Um, and, and so th those are the kind of things I, I'd be watching. But I do think we have to pay attention. Um, we did get the uh, inversion in um, the in the yield curve between the uh, the two and the ten year. Um, it didn't last very long, um, which is one thing that says, well, maybe not. But again, it often takes 18 months to as many as 18 months for the recession to show when you get that kind of inversion. So that would put um, a, a recession sometime next year. And that that, that doesn't seem um, you know, out of the question or it doesn't seem like a bold prediction to say we can have a recession next year. Not preposterous at all. No. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think it's something that we have to pay attention to. And it just means that we have to invest a little more cautiously than we might otherwise. All right. So enough of the big picture. Now I want to look at quarterly earnings. We've got first quarter numbers coming out for roughly 150 companies in the S&P 500 this week alone. That includes the big U.S. tech stocks, which remain the leaders of the market on the upside and down. We're going to learn a lot as earnings come out about the state of the economy and the outlook for the market. I want to start with Alphabet, which reports tomorrow. Before I do, I'll remind listeners that we're taking questions at the end of the call, so please type in your questions. We'll set aside time for them. But back to Alphabet, Ben, reporting Tuesday, what is Wall Street expecting? Wall Street doesn't quite know what to make of this. I thought um, I was reading an Evercore note on uh, Alphabet, and I thought it really captured a lot of what's going on. They start off very optimistically. We see the street's uh, quarter two revenue estimates of uh, 6% growth quarter over quarter. That They call that reasonable. Um, but they're also very worried. Um, they saw the numbers from Snap, which weren't great. They see that dollar being strong again. That's a headwind. Um, and the thing that uh, they they are really worried about is that there's so much uncertainty in the numbers, and those that uncertainty is all, for the most part, skewed negative. Um, that it just makes them really worried about what's going to to happen with with Google, especially on, um, you know, ad spending um, and uh, things like that. And, and so the, the one thing Google, uh, I'm sorry, Alphabet has in favor in its favor is that uh, it's it was down 17 percent um, this year as of. Friday's close. It's bouncing back a little bit today. It looks like some people are, are bottom fishing a little bit, hoping that things turn out uh, a little bit better. A lot of the bad news is priced into the market. Um, but when I, I, I do, I look at a lot of these uh, charts for not just Alphabet, for but for the other major tech stocks, and they're not looking great. And so I think it uh, is going to take uh, you know a really decent number um, that, that, that answers some of these questions for the stock to do um, to do okay after the print. Um, and, and even if it does get a bounce, I, I worry that we might still see some downward. Um, it, it might be one of those opportunities to, you know, to, 
to, to sell into strength because um, the stock will continue sliding. But it's it's going to be an interesting one uh, to watch for sure. Well, we won't have to wait too long. It's coming tomorrow. We also mm -hmm. are going to hear from Microsoft tomorrow. This has been a stalwart of the bull market. What's the outlook for Microsoft? Microsoft is also having a tough time. Um, it was down 19% um, as of Friday this year. Um, you know, and people are going to be doing a lot of the same things are weighing on it as on um, on uh, on Alphabet. So you have the dollar could be a problem. Um, strong dollar eats into in, into the earnings. Um, people will be watching for their cloud growth. Um, you know, it's uh, um, it's going to be one where um, they want to see that growth uh, continuing. Um, we could talk about Amazon in a minute if you want, but they would oh, like sure. to see. Microsoft pick up some market share from Amazon. Um, but there are people who are looking at it. Again, Evercore looks at it and say they like the stock. And why? Because it has a 4% free cash flow yield. So it's spitting off a ton of free cash flow that could be used to buy back stock, pay dividends, and to um, and, and to reinvest in the business. Um, so they're saying near-term volatility should be bought. Um, and, and perhaps that's right. I mean, the stock is nearly in a bear market the same way Alphabet is. Um, but I, I suspect that the, uh, the the focus for now is going to remain on that near-term volatility more than anything else. All right. We're going to get a report from Meta that is formerly known as Facebook on Wednesday. Meta was the subject of a Barron's cover story this past weekend by our colleague Eric Savitz. And fixing the company is going to take a long time. That's Eric's takeaway. And frankly, it was the takeaway of some Meta insiders with whom he spoke. What will first quarter earnings reveal about Meta? Uh, that Meta still has some big problems. Um, earnings are going to be falling. Um, they're supposed to report a profit of $2.51, and that would be down from $3.30 one year ago. When you have these uh, these tech stocks, they're not supposed to have uh, earnings growth fall that much. And they're right. The, the company does have a, a lot of problems, um, has problems with Apple. It's not able to, Apple's put in some, uh, um, it has made privacy of its users uh, more of a focus and that's hurt uh, Facebook's ability to track its users. Um, it's facing problems with TikTok. I mean, it's just like you look at so much of what's going on and they're trying to pivot to, to the metaverse when we don't even know what that is yet. Um, the other thing that Eric pointed out in the story is that uh, Mark Zuckerberg still holds over 50% voting control of the company. So it's not like you can get a, um, an activist to come in and say, hey, change. Um, it, this is, the change is going to have to come from within. It's, uh, it was Eric's point. And so that just makes it uh, a, a much tougher time for, um, for Meta. Um, you know, and the growth is not going to be as consistent um, as it had been in, in the past. The, the one thing it does have going for it is that it's down 45% uh, this year. Um, and that, that some people think the bad news is in the stock. Some people do. Um, I, I do think when you have stocks that have dropped this much, the good news is that you get time. Um, you know, they, they don't usually snap back um, immediately. You know, this isn't something that's going to um, go right back to where it was. So I think there's time for it to let the process uh, work out to, you know, watch the charts, watch the numbers, um, see if it starts to form a, what we would call a tradable bottom. Um, but the stock is, you know, it's it's just a, it's a tough one right now. It's in a tough position. But yes, I would much rather buy the stock at a 50 percent discount than I would have at that full price. Uh, you know, I, I think it was uh, late last year. 
Right. I think that's a good point. Um, tell me about Amazon, which is also reporting on Thursday. Yeah, Amazon's another one that, uh, you know, it hasn't uh, dropped as much as some of the others. It's down 13% this year, but it also hasn't gone anywhere for a very long time. Um, and, you know, they're trying there, you know, it's it's one where earnings are dropping as well. It's going to be $8.47 is what's expected versus $15.79. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with just we're not at home anymore and people are probably not buying as much stuff off of Amazon and it's spending a lot more on growth. Um, people want to see if AWS is holding up. That's their cloud business. They want to see if it's advertising business is growing because that could be a, an area that really does lead to more growth from the, uh, from the shopping side of the business. Um, and the other thing people are watching are uh, what's going on with unionization. Um, Amazon, um, this is coming from Dan Morgan over at Snowbis. Uh, but he was saying that Amazon has always been a leader in increasing worker compensation versus its peers. Um, but at some point, it, it's very possible that they're going to have to spend more on automating warehouses and things like that to uh, cut down on those costs if there becomes too much pressure on, on wages. Um, so I think that's another thing that people will be watching when they report. That's a lot of news coming up this week. It's a ton. <laughs> Yeah, finally, I want to get to Apple. As you wrote in this weekend's magazine, Apple is the last FANG stock standing. It is the only one of the big tech companies that is outperforming the S&P 500 this year. And even at that, Apple is down, but certainly not as badly as the market or some of its other tech giants. So will it still be underperforming, excuse me, outperforming after earnings come out Thursday? I mean, I think there's... Um... I, 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 if if you if I really had to guess, I would say that I think this print is going to have Apple finally join some of the other fangs in uh, underperforming. I'm probably going to eat my words uh, after after saying that, but I just Welcome think back that, to it next Monday. <laughs> yeah, um, and you can call me on it, please. Um, you know how much I, I like to admit when I'm wrong. Um, I, I just think that there is a lot there in terms of. Um, manufacturing problems with the uh, with the iPod and other um, things just because of what's happening in China. Um, and I, I just think that there's there's a potential for it to uh, for it to disappoint. The, the one thing it does have is a ton of cash. So it's probably buying back. It probably bought back a ton of shares and that's going to help. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and it does have the services business, which which is growing. Um, and so maybe that can um, go ahead and and even things out a bit. Um, it's not expecting a ton of growth. Um, it's supposed to be a dollar forty three a share. And that would be up from just a dollar forty one year ago. Um, but uh, I do worry that um, you know all these forces that have caught up with the other things are finally going to catch up with Apple. All right, we'll come back to that next Monday. You will either eat your words or we will celebrate. Uh, actually see that's that's a horrible bet on my part because <laughs> if i'm wrong it's bad and if i'm right it's bad because it means that the market's probably falling again right. so i really should have picked the other side right right can't win here so i want to move on for a moment to the auto stocks we don't have a lot of time left to talk about mm -hmm. earnings but let's go quickly through the auto sector they're all in the penalty box this year and that even includes tesla but mm -hmm. we're going to focus on ford and gm What's ailing the sector broadly? And then let's take a look at some of the earnings expectations. Well, we know that automakers have not been able to sell as many cars as they could have because they're having because of issues with microchips and other supply chain problems. 
<clears throat> now they're dealing with a, another problem, which is, are we at peak auto demand? Is it going to start rolling over? Does that mean prices are going to come down and they're going to sell fewer cars um, um, than people had? You know, people sort of thought that, oh, we get the supply and the sales would go up. But what if we get the supply and the demand isn't there? Um, these are real problems for uh, for the automakers, if that's the case. Um, and so you've seen a lot of this reflected in their stocks. Uh, GM is down 31% uh, this year, and Ford is down uh, 27%. Um, and it, it's interesting because you're also looking at that this bet that propelled them last year on um, the EV, on EVs, which was so good, particularly for Ford. Um, is looking harder now because it's more uncertain and the growth is further out in the future. And so when they, um, when JP Morgan talks about General Motors right now, they're, they're talking about a limited near-term path to unlocking value from Autos 2.0. Um, and they're talking with uh, with Ford. Um, they, um, you know, that there could be a benefit from what they call incremental evidence on the sex success of its EV product. Um, you know, the, the company isn't really ready to talk about splitting up the company or those kind of things that would really push the stock forward when we have all these macro concerns going on. And I mean, the only good news is that the stocks, again, are down a lot and they are still cheap, particularly General Motors. General Motors is trading at only 5.9 times earnings at this point to Ford 7.5 times. Um, and I think that means that GM probably has a bit of a lower bar and that if there is, you know, any surprise here, um, even if the the loss, uh, even if the drop in earnings um, is supposed to go from 225 to $1.167, but if it hits, if it meets these estimates, meeting it might be good enough. Um, but it'll be very interesting to watch uh, how it, ha what happens on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday when they report. It just strikes me as quite notable that investors are so uninterested in these stocks. Yeah, they, they were very interested last year. Um, it was, uh, you know, everyone was talking about as potential competitors to, uh, to Tesla. And uh, this year, don't is, hear that right now, no, this year is really just about the risks. Um, even though, you know, we're, we're, I think we're going to get the F-150 launch uh, very soon, um, the, the EV F-150 right. um, and things like that. It's just um, people are looking at Tesla and Tesla has this huge lead and it, Tesla's not doing great this year, but it's doing better than um, than the rest of the automakers. And I think it's just because it has a huge lead in EVs right now. Um, you look at most of the electric vehicles uh, sold in the U.S. are, are by Tesla. Right. That's true. That's true for all the investment of the other companies. Yep. Let's let's spend a minute talking about staple stocks and healthcare stocks. We haven't talked about them much lately. These are two sectors that are defensive in nature, and they typically offer very attractive dividend yields, which is something investors may want more of these days. How are the sectors doing? And then tell me about the two stocks I know you want to discuss. Well, they've both been doing uh, quite well this year, particularly Staples, which are actually up 2.8% uh, um, as of Friday's close. Um, they are, um, you know, they're your classic uh, defensive stocks. Uh, they're, they're what people buy when um, they start getting really worried about economic growth and about the market falling. And they've, they've really done their job. Um, you know, the, the, the Staples, it's been, we've seen strength in uh, food stocks like Kraft Heinz, which is actually reported. Uh, this week as well. But we've also seen it in Coke, which is up 10% uh, year to date. And that's kind of a flip because C Coke hadn't been doing well. It was, um, 
getting hurt because it was, um, you know, so many, so much of its uh, sales actually do come from restaurants and restaurants had been shut down by COVID. And so you're seeing a little bit of a bounce back there. Plus it's a staple. People like to buy their Coke, uh, even if the, um, um, e even if the economy isn't super strong. And so you're, you're starting to see, you know, Coke kind of find itself in the sweet spot where people aren't as worried about COVID anymore. Restaurants are reopening. Plus it, it's, it's a defensive stock. And, um, so you could see, uh, some earnings growth just based on the reopenings. And, um, they also do have a, a, a franchise model, which, um, protects it somewhat from inflation as well compared to others. And so there are, it's done well this year. It was actually a pick earlier this year in the trader column, um, one of my better ones. And um, it, it's one that had earnings today and the earnings were good. Um, and uh, so, um, you know, it, it's, uh, I think it was even uh, relatively flat on the day, despite how hard the market's uh, gotten hit and how much the stock has been up. Um, so I think it's one that's uh, interesting to watch and worth, and, and worth still watching after today's number. And you get paid 2.7% in dividends and dividend yields as you wait. That, that you do. All right. Moving on. I know you want to talk about AbV. So let's do that. And then we'll go to some listener questions. Yeah. AbV is just, it's, it's an interesting stock and it was doing really well um, for a while this year. And it's pulled back quite a bit. Um, just uh, generally, I think, based on um, concerns about the overall market, that it had run too too far. Um, but it's another one that has a pretty decent yield. It's at 3.7%. Um, and it has uh, new products coming that can... Um, uh, that could do well for the company. Um, analysts over at Mizuho feel like um, uh, Humira, which is one of its big blockbuster drugs, it's uh, it's going to decline in 2023, but that they think the expectations are are about right. They're starting to integrate Allergan, uh, which they had bought uh, a bit better. Um, and, and of course, there's that dividend yield. Um, so it's one that I think because of the pullback um, sets it up nicely um, for, uh, for some outperformance uh, if they deliver on the numbers, which I think they probably can. All right, we'll be watching Coke and AbV, two good names, two big dividends. So let's go to some listener questions. Joseph asks, the energy and metals markets are taking big hits lately. Is there something I'm missing, he asks, or are we simply rotating out of these stocks? Um, I, I think right now uh, there's a rotation. Um, and, um, I, I don't actually, let me start by saying, I don't think you're, you're missing much. I do think that the, the big concern has been, is now China. I mean, China is having problems, um, energy and metal markets don't do, uh, terribly well. Um, but I, I don't think that, and, and, and these stocks have been, you know, we have to remember, especially with energy stocks, but, uh, with most, with many materials too, is that these stocks were so hated and that people were playing catch up and might've gotten overextended on the short term. Um, trying to trying to get long these stocks, pushing them up maybe a little too much, a little more than they should have in the short term. I do think these pullbacks, um, you know, I'd like to see them, you know, consolidate some. But I think these pullbacks are are probably um, worth looking to for um, for a buying opportunity. Um, I, you know, this all goes back to the recession. If we get a recession, these stocks are going to get uh, hit even harder. But if we if we don't have a recession in the near term and we just have this, uh, you know, inflation um, it continues, even if it's not as high and if oil prices can stay up in the 80s or 90s, they don't have to be in the hundreds. Um, oil companies should do well. Um, so I think it's just a. Uh, um, 
it's it's really just a question of uh, how um, you know how you see the the economy playing out. I'm still uh, fairly bullish um, at these stocks. I'd actually be looking if we get uh, more sell off in Exxon and Chevron um, heading into to earnings. Um, uh, I'd probably be uh, looking at that at that as a buying opportunity. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do think that's what's going on is that we're just uh, people are now worrying that okay, we're going to get that recession. Recessions will. Uh, are really the cure for high commodity prices. Well, Joseph, I'm glad you asked that question because we, we got a good answer there. Thanks, Ben. Lee asks, or he notes, that you started the calendar year bearish in your trader column. In your opinion, is the bull market over? And at what point does the Dow, um, at what point on the Dow does the market bottom? That's a loaded question. Yeah. And I wish I had the answer. Um, <laughs> go, going back to what I said, I think a lot depends on on the Fed. Um, it, you know, the, the Fed really did uh, catch people off guard by how aggressive it's being. Um, I think right now more in its language than in anything else, but um, we'll see how they put that into play. And, and that's really spooked people. Um, but we also have to remember that this is a mid-year election year, um, and that uh, th these are often the more difficult years of what they call the presidential cycle, um, where um, the the market isn't kind of sure what's going to happen, or even if it is sure what's going to happen, um, it's just it's a messy market through the summer and and into the fall. And I think that if we're going to, I think that could make for a very volatile. Um, summer ahead of us, uh, kind of uh, my, my colleague Al Root wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago just about how um, this might be the year to sell in May and stay in May or maybe even a little earlier than May. Um, but I do think it's going to be a volatile summer and that uh, if we're going to see a buying a bounce, it's going to come closer to the end of the year. Um, and that's what I would be looking to. OK, I'm not sure you answered the question, but. Um, <laughs> I did the best I could. You did the best. It's very hard to know. So Joseph notes that Amazon Alphabet and Tesla all have stock splits plan planned. And he wonders, have the positive effects from these stock splits been apparent yet? Yeah, I mean, I think they were apparent the moment they announced them. Um, I think that's when we, we often see it. Um, after that, there, there really is no uh, fundamental um, uh, benefit given by uh, um, by the by the uh, um, by the split. So that maybe it, it helps a little bit with um, compensation to employees um, and things like that. But you know, it's it's much more of a technical thing. And so I think they got their bounces when they announced them. Um, and you know, we'll we'll see what happens as we get closer to the actual splits. But I, I think for the most part, we've seen what we were going to see. Okay. And then Joyce asks, is now a good time to buy Apple? Is it a buying opportunity? Um, I, I look at it and it hasn't fallen. Um, you know, if we're, if we're looking at it relative to the overall market or relative to the other stocks, um, it hasn't fallen that much. Um, and, and so I don't see it as uh, um, quite the buying opportunity. Like if you're a real believer in the stock, in, in any of these stocks, it's not quite the buying opportunity that it would be in some of the others that have been knocked down. Um, that being said, I mean, it's obviously held up uh, better than the others for a reason. And I think that a lot of that is um, that, uh, you know, people do think that it's, its business is better. But uh, I, I do think that, um, you know, it's one where it, it's not the bargain that a lot of other stocks in the market are. You know, we've had we have a ton of stocks that are, you know, down 20, 30, 40, 50 percent and Apple's down nine. Um, 
So it's not something where I look at and go, oh, this is a bargain I got to buy here. But it may be a sign of the strength of Apple's business that it hasn't fallen that it is. much. So um, I want to circle back, Ben, before we get off and note that we're going to get a first read on first quarter GDP on Thursday. And what is the estimate? What are you expecting? What can you tell us about the outlook for the economy? Well, the estimate right now is about 1.1%. Um, GDP now, which is a uh, uh, kind of a forecast, it's, it's, it's more that uh, the Atlanta Fed up gets with each reading that would go into GDP, the Atlanta Fed updates its number to get as close to, to what they think it would be based on all the previous data that has been released. And they put it at 1.3%. So I think that, that that's a reasonable uh, assumption that we're going to get a little bit above 1%. Um, and that just has to do just with a ton of headwinds from, you know, from COVID at the beginning of the year, from um, international things uh, feeding in. Uh, I believe that inventories have been uh, brought down, and that was something that helped uh, last quarter. Um, but it's going to be a kind of a slow growth quarter. I think much more important is going to be what comes next. Um, you know, wh whether that uh, some of these headwinds start to dissipate and, um you know, this this number will matter a lot, largely if there's a big uh, miss, um, if it comes in much higher than expected, or I think more likely would be if it comes in much lower than expected, um, particularly if there is a negative uh, negative print on the number. I think that would uh, freak out a lot of people. Um, and, but uh, for now, I think it's actually it's been at this level for for most of the uh, first quarter. You know, it started off a little high, and people brought their numbers down to around uh one ish percent and have stayed there for most of the most of the quarter so i'm not sure there's a big surprise in store for us all right well we have certainly had an interesting day in the market so far and a very interesting call and i thank you ben for sharing your insights it's going to be a busy week for investors with all these earnings coming up that it is all right i want to remind people to come back tomorrow on baron's live when we'll be exploring what exchange-traded funds to buy in a rising rate environment. My colleague, Lauren Foster, will speak with Todd Rosenbluth, head of research at ETF Trends and ETF Database, about active ETFs, aerospace and defense ETFs, and others. Good time to position your portfolio for a rising rate environment. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Stay well and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.